You are listening to Press Church Podcast. Please enjoy this week's message. The title of my sermon today is Amen. Amen. Over last week we talked about, and the title of the sermon last week was, Where do we go from here? You know, I started asking God this question, you know, as we're stepping into this new season, as we're, as we're coming out of the craziness of the last couple of months, as we're stepping into, uh, you know, I'm believing that the second half of this year is going to be so much better than the first half of the year. I believe that the summer is going to be so much more miraculous than what we experienced in the spring. I, I believe that, that God is about to do some things in my life, in my family's life, in our church's life, in our community's life, in the nation's life, in the world's life, that God's going to do something. And so I ask God, where do we go from here? What, what can I do to prepare myself for the new season that I'm about to step into? And we talked about in 1 Corinthians 14.1 last week where we said, pursue love. Desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. And I encouraged you last week to prophesy. We talked about in 1 Corinthians 14.3 that prophecy, although it can be a scary word, although it can be this, this uh, crazy word that we think of uh, these men in, in robes and uh, screaming out, thus saith the Lord, and, and the crazy prophets that we see in the Old Testament. And if I'm being honest, um, if I don't get a haircut soon from my barber in Columbia, I'm looking more and more like the prophet Jeremiah uh, than the modern day Jeremiah. Uh, so we're working on trying to shave all this mane off of me, hopefully soon. First Corinthians 14.3, it says that, but he who prophesies speaks edification and exhortation and comfort to men. And, and we see that if we're going to step into this new season, as we're going to go into something new, we're going to let go of what happened this beginning part of the year, and we're going to step into what God has for us, we're going to have to learn to pursue love and pursue God. We're going to have to learn to desire with almost a jealous intent, an envious intent of seeing those spiritual gifts manifest in our lives. I, I can't rely on the government. I can't rely on my friends and family at times. I, I can't rely on the grocery store or my jobs. Who can I lean on? Who can I? It's the spiritual gifts inside of us that God has already given us. And then ultimately it says that you should prophesy. That sometimes the only person that can encourage you is you. The only person that can exhort you, the only person that can bring comfort to you is going to be you looking in the mirror saying, Jesus says this about me. God says this about me. The Word says this about me to help change your future of what you're about to step into. And I want to talk about the Word, Amen, today to help bring some more revelation to you prophesying and, and, and where do we go from here and what the next step is. And it begins with your declaration of Amen in your life. What are you saying Amen Two, the scripture we're going to stand on today is 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 20. You've heard me quote this scripture many times before. It's a scripture that I love. It says, for all the promises, not some, not a few, not just the ones in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. No, no, no. All the promises of God in Him, in Jesus, are yes 
and in Him, Jesus, amen, to the glory of God through us. For all the promises of God in Him are yes. That word yes in the Greek is nai, N-A-I. And it means yes, it means verily, it means truly, it means assuredly, it means even so. I want to encourage you today, if, if you've asked God for a promise, if you've looked in the Bible and you've seen one of the promises and you haven't seen it fulfilled in your life yet, that doesn't mean it was a no. Because it says here in the Scriptures that all the promises of God, He's not saying yes to you because of you. He's saying yes to you because of what Jesus did for you. And so all the promises, whatever's in this book, whatever promise you can find in this book, you can lean on and know that He's on your side. You don't have to question, is it the will of God that this promise is for me? No, because it says right here, and the definition of yes is yes, verily, truly, assuredly, even so. The definition for yes isn't maybe. The definition for yes isn't no. The definition for yes is, well, if you get right, or if you quit sinning, No, no, the only requirement for you to receive a yes in His promises is believing in Him, in Jesus. Be encouraged in that today, that God is not looking to withhold things from you. God is an abundant God. God is a loving God. God is a generous God. He is not trying to withhold things from you because all the promises of God are yes today for you. The thing I was thinking about is we don't like fickle people. We don't like wishy-washy people. We don't, we don't like people whenever I need to move something and I say, hey, can you be here to help me move this? And they say, yeah, I'll be there. And then they don't show. Or when you hire somebody and you tell them, I need you here Monday through Friday, 8 to 5, they say, well, maybe... Maybe I can do that. You're probably not going to hire that person. Or they might flat out tell you no. Hey, can you come work this job Monday through Friday, 8 to 5? No, nope, I can't do it. But I'd like to get paid or or I'd like the benefits. You see, Jesus tells us as he's talking the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 5, verse 37, but let your yes be yes and your no, no, for whatsoever is more than these is from the evil one. He's talking about making oaths. If you read earlier on in Matthew chapter 5, he's talking about uh, cursing. But he makes the statement of let your yes be yes and let your no be no. If Jesus is telling his disciples, if Jesus is preaching a message to people and telling them the importance of letting their yes be yes and their no be no, do you not think that it's also important to God? That if Jesus is bringing this truth, is bringing this idea to the people that you should not say yes or no, no or yes. You should let your yes be yes and your no be no. Then wouldn't God also be the same one to let his yes be yes? Wouldn't he be the absolute truth to when he says yes, he means yes. When he says no, He means no. And in our scripture for today, in 2 Corinthians 1, chapter 20, Paul is receiving revelation from Jesus that he's delivering to the church of Corinth, to the Gentile church, and he says, for all of the promises of God are in him, yes. 
His yes is yes. That means he wants to see those promises fulfilled in your life. That means he's not trying to withhold those promises in any way, shape, or form from you and your family. All the promises in God are yes. And in him, amen. The very first time that the word amen is mentioned is in Numbers 5.22. When we did that study on studying the word of God, we talked about the, the importance of the Bible, uh, of the word of first mention. Where was the word first mentioned? And we can see what is said in that moment uh, to kind of get an understanding. And this is the first time that the word amen is mentioned. Let's be encouraged today by what this verse says. Numbers 5.22. It says, May this water that causes the curse go into your stomach and make your belly swell and your thigh rot. Then the women shall say amen. So be it. Happy Mother's Day to you in the future. What a scripture for the word amen to be first mentioned. If you read earlier in the text of Numbers chapter 5, it's talking about a woman who commits adultery with her husband. It, it talks about a man who becomes jealous of his wife paying too much attention to someone else that he can go to the priest and he can offer a, a sacrifice, a seed of, of jealousy, a, an offering of jealousy. And they take some water and they take some, some sand or some dirt off of the ground of the temple floor and they mix it together and they make the woman drink it. And then we see here in verse 22 of what this cursed water is supposed to do to get rid of the jealousy. Go into your stomach and make your belly swell and your thigh rot. <laughs> it's comical now. It's crazy to read. And then the woman is supposed to say what we say after prayer, what Maddie just sang so beautifully in that last song, amen, so be it. That word amen in Hebrew is the same word, amen. It's presented over 30 times in 24 verses throughout the Old Testament. That means through the whole Old Testament, amen is only spoken or said 24 times, I'm sorry, 30 times in 24 verses. That word amen means firm or faithful. That word means verily, truly, amen, so be it. The definition of it is, its proper place is where one person confirms the words of another and expresses a wish for the issue of this vow or prediction. That someone makes a vow or a prediction, and then the person's response after hearing that is to say, Amen, so be it. Let it be firm, let it be faithful in my life. Unfortunately, the majority of the times that we see the word amen in the Old Testament, it's people saying amen to curses. In Deuteronomy chapter 27 is a chapter that lists probably the most times that the word amen is mentioned in the Old Testament. It's mentioned at least 12 times. Remember, in only 24 verses, it's mentioned 30 times in the whole Old Testament. In Deuteronomy 27, it's mentioned 12 times the word amen. So you would think, like, this has got to be a great passage. 
Deuteronomy 27 should have all kind of great things if the word amen is uttered time after time after time. Let's read a little bit of Deuteronomy 27, starting in verse 11. It says, And Moses commanded the people on that same day, saying, These shall stand on Mount Gerizim to bless the people when you have crossed over the Jordan. Simeon and Levi and Judah and Ishakar and Joseph and Benjamin in 27 verse 13. And these shall stand on Mount Ebal to curse Reuben, Gad, Asher, Zephulam, Dan, and Naphtali. If I'm saying these wrong, you try and say them. <laughs> so the idea is Moses is telling the people, the children of Israel, whenever you get to the promised land, we're going to take half of the children of Israel, the tribes, the 12 tribes, take the other half, and they're both going to stand on two different sides of the mountain. And as the people walk into the Holy Land, as they walk into the promise that God has for them, half of them are going to speak blessing over the Israelites, and the other half is going to speak curses over the Israelites. Kind of a weird passage there, but that's how the Old Covenant was set up. The Old Covenant, in its bottom line way to describe it to you, for you to understand, is God said, if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. It was very simple. God says, if you love me and you take care of me and, and you do all these things, then I'm going to bless you. I'm going to take care of you. And we see that throughout the Old Testament, that as the Israelites served God, that they would have blessing come upon their lives. When they would turn to idols, when they would turn to other women, when they would turn away from God and they would do bad things, then God would say, well, the old covenant says if you do good, you get good. If you do bad, you get bad. Therefore, you are going to receive bad and they would be taken over by the Amalekites, the Philistines, the, the Jebusites, and all the ites that were around that had time to take over the Israelites. And we see, going back to verse 14, and the Levites, the priest, shall speak with a loud voice and say to all the men of Israel, here we go, get ready for it, cursed is the one who makes a carved or molded image, an abomination to the Lord, the work of the hands of the craftsmen, and set it up in secret, and all the people shall answer and say, Amen. Look at verse 16, we'll read one more, let's see if it gets better. Cursed is the one who treats his father or his mother with contempt. And all the people shall say, Amen. Makes me want to go call my parents now and, and apologize to them. They might even be watching online. Sorry for uh, holding y'all in contempt <laughs> all, these, all those years. Um, thank God the Old Testament is not in effect now. I do not say oh, Amen to that. <laughs> But we see, if you keep reading in Deuteronomy 27, that the Levites pronounce this curse, cursed if you do this, and all the people say amen. And there's no place in Deuteronomy 27 where the other side speaks blessing. That the curse has come, and they tell the people, the Lord told Moses to tell the people that they have to respond amen to those curses. If I don't do what I'm supposed to do, then a curse be upon the Israelites, and they had to respond with amen, with firm faithfulness, verily, truly, let it be. That's what they had to respond in the Old Covenant. I can see now why the word amen was only muttered a handful of times. It doesn't seem like it was that positive of a word in the Old Testament. But let me bring some truth and let me bring some 
grace, let me bring some encouragement to you this morning on the word amen so that you can start using it correctly. We see now in 2 Corinthians chapter 1 verse 20, the word amen is being uttered. But it's not being uttered during a curse, it's being uttered during a blessing. And that God is there, and he's saying, because of what Jesus did in him, now you can say, amen. That word, amen, has been translated into the Greek, and the same word is amen. Amen has become a universal word. It started in Hebrew. The Hebrew language used the word amen, and then it got translated into Greek. And they just took the same word, amen. And then it got translated from Greek to Latin. And they just took the same word, amen. And then Latin got transferred into English. And they took the same word, amen. That this word has survived history time and time and time again. We've seen throughout the language, the the journey of language, And even as we read the scriptures, that we can read a word and what it meant in Hebrew and what it meant in Greek and what it meant in Latin and now what it means in English in 2020 have a completely different meaning. But the word amen has a very special connotation, has something special in it that it's just gone on with history. The Hebrews said amen. And then we got to the Greeks and they said, you know what, let's say amen. Then we got to Latin, amen. And then we got to English, amen. It's just carried on and carried on and it's only gotten better and better and better in that word. We see all the way back in Deuteronomy that people are saying amen to curses. and We get all the way to Corinthians and now we're saying amen to blessing with Jesus and God affirming that. The word amen in the Greek in the, in the New Testament is used 152 times over 126 verses in the New Testament. All of a sudden, something has changed with the word amen when what we saw in the Old Testament of only 30 times and 24 verses has now blossomed into 152 times and 126 verses. But it has the same meaning. Amen in Greek means to be firm or faithful. It means verily. It means amen. At the beginning of the discourse, at the beginning of a conversation, you can use the word amen and that means Surely, truly, of a truth, verily, verily. Or amen can be translated at the end of discourse, at the end of a conversation. And it means so it is, so be it, may it be fulfilled. So you can say verily, verily, you can say amen before you say something. And that means whatever you're about to say is the absolute truth. And then at the end of a conversation, after somebody tells you a truth, you can say, amen, so be it unto me that I receive that truth, that I receive that faithfulness, that I receive that firm word. And as you read through your Bible, I want you to notice something, that in all of the Gospels, Jesus begins so many of his statements with, verily, verily, I say unto you. And it's the same word as amen, that Jesus himself brings this word into the gospel. He makes it a priority. He sets it up on a pedestal as this important word that he says. As you read through the gospel, you can't help but seeing Jesus say, Verily, verily, I say unto you. And then he rattles off this truth. Verily, verily, I say unto you. And he rattles off this parable. Verily, verily, I say unto you. And then he performs the miracle, signs, wonders. 
And then if we read the Gospels according to Paul, the writings of Paul, the Apostle Paul who's written to the Gentiles, you cannot help but after everything that he says at the beginning of his writings, at the end of his writings, slap dab in the middle of his writings, he is constantly saying, Amen. Amen. May grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Amen. May grace and peace be multiplied. Amen. Over and over you will see Paul taking that same revelation that Jesus had when he says, Verily, verily, he brings it into his writings And he closes what Jesus says. Jesus brings in the beginning of it by saying, Verily, verily. And Paul brings it in at the end saying, Amen to what Jesus has for us. That there's these curses that are being spoken over the Israelites. And at the end of every curse, they are forced to say the word, Amen. But I want to show you something today. That they didn't know what they were doing. But the Israelites were prophesying on good things to come. Look in Revelation chapter 3 verse 14. It says, And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans writes, These things says the Amen. Look at that being capitalized. The faithful, the true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. He's talking about all the names of Jesus right here. And one of the names of Jesus is the Amen. So let it be the faithful, the firm. The Israelites had no idea that when they were pronouncing these curses at the end of it, what they were truly saying was, Jesus, help us. And as these curses were coming upon them, they were making the declaration that we need the amen to show up mightily in our lives. You need the amen to show up mightily in your life. Look at this in Galatians 3, 13 and 14. We've heard this, vo- this verse before, a very, a very favorite verse of mine. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. All the way back in Deuteronomy, as the curses are being spoken over them, and they are being forced to say amen, they have no idea the prophetic that they're standing on and believing that Jesus himself is one day going to come and become that exact curse. The amen is going to become that curse for them. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on a tree. Verse 14 says that the blessing of Abraham, there it is, that word blessing again, that word promise, all the promises of God, all the spiritual gifts that you're supposed to desire, all the blessings of Abraham might come upon you, the Gentiles, through the amen in Christ Jesus, that we might receive the promise of the Spirit through faith. Do you see why they're saying amen now? Do you see why it went from 24 verses mentioned 30 times in the Old Testament to 152 times and 126 verses in the New Testament, in the New Covenant, because the amen had shown up? As we finish today, as we close today, I, I want to show you something in the Scriptures. The, it's just something so simple and so beautiful. In Genesis chapter 1, Verse 1, the very first word of the very first scripture in the Old Testament says, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. The very first word of the Old Testament is in. Let's look at Malachi chapter 4, verse 6. And he will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and strike the earth with a curse. The very first word in the book of the Old Testament is in. The very last word 
in the book of the Old Testament is curse. Doesn't that just sum up the Old Testament in curse? Now let's look at the first and last word of the New Testament, the, the New Covenant. Matthew chapter 1, verse 1. The book of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. The first word mentioned is the. Now let's look at the last word in Revelations. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. What's that last word? Amen. The Old Covenant in the Old Testament, the very first word and last word is in curse. But in the New Covenant, in the the New Testament, the first word and the last word is the Amen, which we just saw in Revelation is Jesus. That they were in the curse, but no, 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 now Jesus has come, the Amen, to get rid of the curse. That Christ has redeemed you from the curse of the law. I don't know if you're happy in your household, but I'm preaching myself happy. That I need the amen in my life. I need the let it be in my life. I need all the promises of God to be yes. I need all the promises of God to be in him. Amen. Let it be. Let Jesus be in my life. Let amen be in my life. Let whatever is going on on the outside be out on the outside. And let the amen be ever inside of me. Today I want to encourage you to evaluate your life and see what you're saying amen to. Because in some way, shape, or form, you are saying amen to something in your life. You're saying let it be. You're letting possibly fear, possibly failure, possibly frustration, financial insecurity. You've been running from God. You're caught in a sin cycle. You keep going back to the same sin. You can't get out of it. Scripture says, he that the Son sets free is free indeed. He's already set you free. That sin cycle is broken off of you in the name of Jesus already. I speak to that sin cycle right now, and I say, in the name of Jesus, be broken off of their lives. That they will no longer struggle with those sins anymore. If that's you, receive that today. Say amen to that today. I receive it. Let it be that I will not be tempted by that sin anymore. She'll not be dealing with worry, with stress, with fear, with whatever things that you can think of that aren't the promises of God. Because if it's not a promise of God, then you should not be saying yes to it. If it's not a promise of God, you should not be saying, well, maybe it's God's will. Maybe He wants that for me. No, we see very strongly in this Scripture today that the promises of God, because of what Jesus did, God is saying yes. And God is saying amen. He's saying let it be. And now it's time for you, as you're on the verge of this new season, as we're stepping into something new, for you to say, yes, amen, let it be. And let's look at the last part of First Corinthians, I mean, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 20. It says, for all the promises of God, in Him are yes and in Him, Amen. To the glory of God through us. You see, God is glorified when His promises flow and manifest in us and in our lives. We always talk about that we should glorify God. We should worship God. We should praise God. Yes, we should do all those things. But it says in this scripture that the glory of God is revealed through us when the promises of God manifest in our lives. Not because of who you are. Not because of all the good you've done or the bad you stopped doing. But because of what Jesus did on his cross so many, many years ago. He yelled out the words, it is finished. 
And when he yelled out, it was finished, that was good enough for God. That was good enough for heaven. So if it was good enough for God, then it needs to be good enough for you to come through whatever you're struggling with, to overcome whatever's happening in your life. Now is the time for the holy to stand up. Now is the time for the righteous to stand up. Now is the time for the sons and daughters of God. It says creation is groaning for them. Now is the time for us to stand up and not get caught up internally of how can I overcome this and woe is me and all that. No, no, no. Now is the time to pursue love. Now is the time to desire spiritual gifts. Now is the time especially for us to prophesy. Now is the time for us to say amen. Let the blessings of God and the promises of God flow through our lives so that we can be a blessing to others. Now is the time for us to shine bright. I want to encourage you today, say amen. Say amen in your life. The amen has shown up on the scene. And all he's bringing with him is goodness and mercy and blessing and promises and spiritual gifts and the fivefold ministry and his church and his angels and his prayers. The amen is showing up. And now is the time for you to receive that in your life. Let's pray today. Father, we thank you for what you're doing in our lives, in this church's lives, in these people's lives. Father, I thank you for the amen showing up in a powerful way. I thank you that the amen, Jesus Christ himself, is here and showing up. And we make the decision as his sons and daughters to say amen. Let it be. Verily, verily, whatever truth you have spoken we receive it in our lives. Let your promises. I, I don't say, I, don't, I won't say no to his promises anymore. I'll say yes to him. Father, bless your people, protect your people, cause them to prosper in everything they do and bring them back safely. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you, we love you, and we will see you uh, next week for Mother's Day. Take care, family. Thank you for listening to Press Church Podcast. If you would like more information about us or are interested in giving to our ministry, you can click the link in our bio or visit presschurch.org. Don't forget to follow us on social media at Press Church SC and have a great week.